Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. This is episode number 71, Switching to Resolve in 2023. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Thanks for joining another episode of the Filming with Josh podcast. If you are new to the podcast, Filming with Josh is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. On this podcast, we talk about all things video, from storyboarding to script writing to sound and lighting and how to price your work. You name it, we talk about it on this podcast. We also have a great Facebook group called Filming with Josh, so be sure to go to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh, and ask to join the group today. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is where we continue the conversations outside of the podcast as a collective group of individuals to learn more about video. I would love to see you there. For those of you listening to today's podcast, you are probably wondering why I am switching to Resolve in 2023. Um, For me, this is a big change, especially because I've been working in Premiere for the last decade. So I thought I would jump onto a podcast and kind of walk you through what has led me to this point, um, what I struggle with in Premiere, and what Resolve is bringing to the table for me in 2023. To do that, I'm going to go backwards in time and kind of walk you through the steps that led me to today. I got into video back in the early, like 2010-ish, 2011-ish time period is when I started in video. And I was working in Windows Movie Maker at that time, just kind of figuring out the basics of how to cut clips together and maybe add like a a title at the end, you know, the real basic stuff that I would be way too embarrassed to show anybody today. Uh, When I started getting more serious about video and I started buying some actual camera gear, the program that I was led to buy was uh, Premiere Elements. If you don't know what Premiere Elements is, it's basically a watered down, dumbed down version of Premiere that's for beginners. Um, and honestly, it wasn't a bad program. You know, it could do some basic things and allow you to kind of obviously do more than what Windows Movie Maker could do, but you didn't have all the controls and things that you would have in Premiere. It also was laid out differently than Premiere. It was a little bit more of an easy beginner-ish type of setup. So you you could kind of navigate your your way around and figure things out on your own. After working in Premiere Elements for a while, and I got to a point where I started getting real actual paid work, so I decided at that time it was it was time for me to move up to Premiere Premiere Pro. So what I did is I bought Premiere Pro the non-cloud version. It was back before the cloud version even existed. At this time, you would go and you would buy a actual outright copy of the program and you would own the program. It was expensive, but you owned it. You never had to pay a monthly fee. So in the long run, it was actually much cheaper because it was a one-time buy. The downside of that model was if a new version came out, you didn't own that new version. If you wanted to buy it, you had to buy it outright. Sometimes you might get a deal or a discount for for upgrading, but either way, you had to rebuy the program. Um, So that's what I started with when I moved from Elements to actual Premiere Pro. And I also got After Effects and a few other programs and started teaching myself how to use all of those programs. 
Back at this point, I had purchased my first like real computer. You know, I had some laptops and stuff from college that I was making work in Premiere Elements, but when I switched to Premiere Pro, I knew I needed a better computer. So I went and bought myself a custom-built gaming computer, and it was a Windows machine. And it wasn't it wasn't like super spec'd out because I honestly didn't know anything about computer specs at the time. I went to Best Buy and got advice <laughs> on what to get. I just asked a, a Best Buy person like, hey, I want to do some video editing. What do I need to look for? And he helped me pick out a custom gaming computer and I special ordered it. And it was, it was okay, but it was nothing like what I have today. Uh, so it worked. But in order for it to work, I found that I was going to have to transcode my footage. So I was transcoding my footage to DNxHD. For those of you who don't know what DNxHD is, it's kind of like ProRes, but it's more friendly for Windows computers, especially at that time. So I was having to go and shoot my footage and then come home from a shoot, and then I would transcode my files to DNxHD, and then I would be able to begin editing. And to me, this was a normal process. I just kind of figured that's what everybody did. I was really used to it. Didn't bother me. I was happy with that process. And it worked. Once I converted everything to DNX HD, Premiere on that computer worked fairly well. Uh, so did After Effects. And you know, if you, if you added a lot of heavy effects or things, then yeah, I could bog down and make you render the timeline. But once you re render the timeline, you were ready to go again. Um, so it was, a, it was a decent process, especially for me kind of learning and getting my, my feet wet in the more professional side of video editing. I used to work in Magic Bullet Looks when I first got started doing a lot of my coloring there. Um, but then I eventually switched over to coloring in DaVinci Resolve. And the reason why I did that is because I had read online about all of these people who were raving about grading in DaVinci Resolve. So I wanted to try Resolve out for myself and Resolve was free. So I thought, hey, I'm going to download the program and try coloring in it. And I actually really enjoyed coloring in Resolve. So I quit using the Magic Bullet Looks plugin and Premiere and started coloring all of my work in Resolve. And Resolve is a completely different program than obviously After Effects or Premiere. So there was a, a process you had to go through in order to um, get your footage into Resolve, grade it, export it, and then put it back into Premiere. There are workflows that do allow you to send your timeline to Resolve, but if you're using mixed frame rates or if you're adding any effects or anything before you get to the coloring portion of your project, it can be a really tricky pain in the butt workflow. So instead, for me at the time to be able to color and resolve, I would essentially do my rough cut and then I would jot down what clips I used and then I would go into resolve, load those same clips into resolve, grade them in resolve, export them, and then swap out the the clips, the graded clips for the ungraded clips that I had in Premiere. <laughs> and it was a pain in the butt but it allowed me to color in Resolve, which I really enjoyed. Um, but then Premiere started moving over to the subscription model, and with that came the Lumetri color panel. Now, if you've never graded in Resolve before, Adobe's Lumetri color is nothing like what grading in Resolve is. Resolve is a true professional color grading software. Lumetri color panel is just something you use to get by. Like, in all honesty, that's the truth. Um, but for the projects I was doing, 
it was good enough for most things. So what I did is I eventually switched from my uh, paid version of Premiere that I owned to the new subscription model so I could get all the new updates. And with the subscription model, I got access to Lumetri Color. I started playing around with it. And I felt for most of my projects, it was good enough. And I just assumed when I had something I was a little bit more serious about, like a commercial project or something with a little bit of bigger budget, I would grade that in Resolve. But for any you know web videos or anything I wasn't as concerned with the color about, I would just do it in uh, Lumetri Color and Premiere because that would allow me to just get by and it was good enough for most things. And that's how I have worked for the last, gosh, man, the last eight or nine years, 10 years, something like that. That's how I've worked. And it's worked fairly well for the most part. Um, going from uh, Premiere to Resolve, I've, I've changed my workflow a little bit there. I basically in Resolve would bring in my footage and would grade it in Resolve and export LUTs for the shots and then would import those LUTs into Premiere to grade my footage. And that's been my newer workflow with Resolve and Premiere to be able to work together with the two. Um, but it but it worked well enough and has allowed me to work that way for a long time now. So I basically do all my editing in Premiere and most of my coloring in Premiere, except for things I'm a little more serious about and that I color and resolve and create the custom LUTs and then import those into Premiere. That's been my workflow for a long time now. Now going back a little bit, um, I said that I had a gaming computer and I did and I worked on that up until about 2014. And in 2014, I took a job working for a production company and that production company wanted me to work on Apple computers because that's what their entire office had. Everybody at the office worked off of Apple and they worked off of ProRes Codex. So they thought that for me to have a, you know, my, to come in and be able to, to like get in their system and be able to work with them, I, I really needed to, to be working on Apple. And I understand where they're coming from because, you know, they would, they would, um, format their drives and Mac OS extended journal. So if I was going to be able to use the drives, I needed to have Apple computers. Um, plus they, like I said, the editing, the editor really liked working with ProRes. Uh, I was also an editor when I got hired on, um, but I was editing a different show. Um, so me and him were kind of working back and forth. We would trade assets back and forth because sometimes we would share assets. And so since he wanted to work in ProRes, I too needed to work in ProRes. Um, now I was working at the office when I first got hired. Um, and so I they did give me an Apple computer, but it was an older machine, an older Apple tower that you could change parts out on, which is a lot harder to do today. Um, but um, it was, it was so old that even when we upgraded parts on it, it just couldn't keep up for the files that we were working with at the time. So I was really irritated working at the office on this old computer and I couldn't use my gaming PC and bring it to the office because it was not an Apple computer. So what I ended up doing is I went and bought a tricked out MacBook Pro, 2014 MacBook Pro, and started using it at the office and I would take it with me on the road when we would travel for shoots and I loved it. I had never worked with Apple until I started working at this job and I really enjoyed the Apple system and when I got my MacBook Pro and started working uh, with ProRes files, 
I thought, man, this is really, really nice. I liked it so much that I ended up selling my custom gaming PC and I started just doing everything both at the job and any side projects I took on my own all on this Apple laptop. And it worked great. I cut an entire season of television on a MacBook Pro. I remember going to Hawaii with some friends and I was literally drinking a Corona at a bar, cutting a TV show, and the bar was outside overlooking the ocean and, and I had my headphones in and I was just cutting the show together and I was like, this is the life, you know? It worked really well. And, and I had to transcode all my files still because as I said, uh, the other editor in our production house liked working with ProRes and so I was asked to do everything in ProRes. So every time I went out and shot, I would transcode everything to ProRes. And between ProRes and this new MacBook Pro I got, they worked together so well that I felt like my process was seamless and made a lot of sense. I would go out, I would shoot, I'd come home or, or back to the office and I'd transcode to ProRes and then I'd get to work on my laptop and it just worked really, really well. In 2015, I left my position as an employee, but I continued working with the same uh, production house, but I was working as uh, on, on contract instead, which allowed me to work from home. And as such, I thought, well, if I'm going to be working from home, I kind of want to get uh, a more of a desktop style Apple computer, something with a bigger screen, and I'll just save my laptop for when we're traveling. So I went out in 2015 and I bought a 5K iMac, bought the fully loaded one, maxed out all the specs since you couldn't really use or upgrade them, and brought it home and got it connected up in my office and started loading Premiere and everything, started working with it, and it was like my MacBook only on steroids. It was an amazing amazing computer. I loved it. And again, I would go out and I would shoot everything for the show in ProRes. And then I would come home and work on my new 5k iMac and in Premiere. And I was able to fly through the edits with absolutely no problems. It was amazing. I absolutely loved the process and I loved the performance on my computer. Everything in Premiere ran great. Everything in After Effects ran great. Round tripping to resolve for grading certain things was kind of a pain, but even that worked fairly well because I had a process and was used to it. In the spring of 2016, I left my position as a contractor with that production house and was completely working under my Rustic River media name at that point, um, which had been around for about a year. And I went in 2016 and bought in the spring a Sony FS7, which has a really great codec, XAVCI. It's an amazing codec. The FX9 has it, the FX6 has it, and uh, the mirrorless cameras today by Sony have a version of it, XAVCSI. Uh, it's very similar. Um, but th those codecs are amazing because they edit almost like ProRes. And as a result, I would go out and work with the FS7, and when I come home, I would be able to drop the footage straight into Premiere without having to transcode anymore. And I was getting amazing performance because I no longer worked with that production house. I no longer had to transcode to ProRes. So it gave me a chance to try working with these native files. And I found that the computer's performance in Premiere could absolutely handle it. So I was out working with my FS7. I had a couple Sony mirrorless cameras that were shooting uh, a different codec at that time, but it still edited just fine in Premiere. So I no longer had to transcode. And that's how I worked for 
a long time. My new process was go out and shoot, come home, edit. No more transcoding needed. And I loved it. But at some point in around 2017, about a year or so after I got my FS7 and about two years into having my iMac, Premiere started to come out with some updates that made my performance go downhill. Remember me saying I used to go and be able to shoot with this footage and come home and just drop it in the timeline and, and get to work. It was amazing. Never had to render anything. The performance and playback was phenomenal. But in around 2017, that all stopped. The same cameras, the same codecs that I typically worked with on a day-to-day -day basis now started to struggle. And it wasn't my computer because I don't keep things saved on my computer. I, I work off of RAID drives and everything was connected via Thunderbolt. The speed test on my hard drive showed that I had great performance. My computer had a ton, a ton of space on the internal drive, so that wasn't getting choked up. I also uh, was good about cleaning out my cache periodically, so I know that wasn't building up. I mean, there was no reason for these downgrade in performances that I was seeing because my computer was exactly the same as it had always been. Nothing had changed except for the updates to Premiere. And it kept getting worse and worse. And when Premiere would come out with new updates and they would promise performance enhancements, so I would upgrade to the new version, like praying and hoping that I would be able to take advantage of these new performance enhancements and that hopefully I'd get my performance back. But instead, I got the opposite. It just got worse and worse. And unfortunately, some of the updates that Premiere came out with, you kind of had to upgrade to to get because they would come out with really big changes to the program, things that were going to be really useful for an editor. So you wanted to have them, but you knew, you knew if you updated, <laughs> you were going to get a downgrade in performance in the process because that had been my experience. And a lot of people online, because I was doing tons of research trying to figure out what was going on, a lot of people were going through the, through the same thing where their performance was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, at that time in 2017, Black Magic was really rolling with DaVinci Resolve. They had taken this world-renowned color grading software and they had gone out and purchased Fairlight Audio and Fusion Effects. And for those of you who don't know what those are, Fusion is essentially After Effects. It is a very similar program to After Effects that's just as powerful as After Effects but it's based off of uh, node trees. Node trees are, think of it like a family tree where you, you have uh, a box that's kind of like a family member and then from that box you can create more boxes or family members and then you can make edits and changes to each of your nodes and then they all kind of link up together. And that is the way that Fusion works. And in fact, most professional VFX houses prefer node-based um, VFX programs um, over the layered style that like After Effects has. So Fusion is basically After Effects, but built on a node-based system. It works different, but it's equally as powerful as After Effects. And a lot of VFX houses, high-end VFX houses, prefer programs like that because they like the node-based system. So DaVinci Resolve, or Blackmagic rather, went out and purchased um, this pre-existing VFX program called Fusion that was based on the node system. And then they implemented the program into DaVinci Resolve. Likewise, they also purchased Fairlight Audio, which Fairlight Audio 
is a professional DOS or digital audio workstation, kind of how um, Audition would be, for example, um, but works a little different, but again, equally as powerful as Audition. Very, very good program. They went out and bought it outright and then built it into Resolve. So Resolve started going and turning from just basically being a, a world-renowned color grading software to now it's a color grading software with a renowned uh, VFX program and a renowned audio digital workstation all built into one program. And they didn't just like buy these programs and then just plug them into Resolve and call it a day. They actually took all the technology and you know, all the features from those these programs and then they redeveloped Resolve to be able to integrate it from the ground up so that when you go to the... Um, Fusion effects page, or when you go to the uh, Fairlight audio page, for example, the the controls, the buttons, the layouts, the workflow is very similar to anything else that you would find in Resolve. So it's not like they created a plugin; they actually took all of the software and all of the technology from these programs and literally implemented it from the ground up in Resolve. And that's that started to to help Resolve become more than just a color grading program. And to go along with that, they also developed cut and edit pages that were very similar to what you'd find on your typical NLE, like Premiere or Final Cut or Avid. Um, they had their own spin on things, like their cut page is very different uh, and very unique, but it's an amazing way to cut. We'll get onto that here in a few minutes. And then their their edit page, again, is kind of gonna be like what you find in most NLEs, like like Premiere or Final Cut, but with with their own kind of spin on things. But the point is, is that they, they have this amazing color grading program, and then they bought this amazing audio program, this amazing um, uh, VFX program, and then integrated it in to, into Resolve, and then built a cut and edit page around that. And so what they had created was a one-stop shop NLE, where you could do everything in this one program. Everything from loading and organizing your media, to doing your rough cut, to doing your, your main edit, to doing your graphics, then your color, and then your audio, and then you can export the project all in one roof in one program so you never have to leave the program and then launch any other programs or anything like that. Anything you need to do, you could do from start to finish in this one program. That was Blackmagic's take on their editing software. And so in 2017, it was starting to become a little more mature. So I bought a studio version of Resolve. Now, if you don't know the difference between the studio version or the regular version, the regular version is free. And it is it, it is a legit free program that you can go online today and buy. And you can get access to about 90% of the program. You'll miss a few features like noise reduction doesn't work in the free version. Uh, you can't output projects in higher than 4K resolutions in the free, free version. So if you are shooting in 8K and you want to export an 8K video, you can't do that in the free version. And there are some other things, performance things, like the computer, like the program won't optimize and use uh, your CPU and GPU to the full extent in the free version, uh, but it will in the studio version. However, for most people, you could get the free version and, and be fine to edit from start to finish 
for a long time until you until you run into a situation where you want to start using the the noise reduction software or, or, or tapping into the, the better performance of the studio version. And then at that point, you could upgrade. And that's what most people do. So in 2017, that's what I did. I bought the studio version. And the studio version is a one-time purchase, $295. That's it. Once you buy it, you own the program for life. And every single up upgrade that comes out, you get for free. So it is better than anything Adobe's ever done with Premiere. I told you at the beginning of this podcast that I bought Premiere outright before the subscription model existed, but you didn't get free upgrades for life. You just had that version. Once a new version came out, you had to buy the new version, right? And so a DaVinci Resolve doesn't do that. You, you paid $295 one time, and you never have to pay anything again. And every upgrade, every new version that comes out, you get you get for life. And there's no subscription, there's no anything else, just a one-time purchase. Pretty hard to beat that. And again, the free version will get you 90% of the way there. So it's an amazing price, like an absolutely unbeatable price. And you get access, again, to the color grading software, the the uh, Fairlight Audio, digital audio workstation, and the amazing Fusion uh, VFX uh, page. And it's just an amazing software, all integrated in one. So a uh, for, from a price standpoint, you absolutely cannot beat Resolve. You cannot beat it because it's literally free for like 90% of it. So in 2017, when I started running into all these issues with Premiere, I bought the studio version of Resolve so I could have full access to the, the better computer performance. And I thought about switching from Premiere to Resolve. However, I was a little intimidated. I had been coloring in Resolve for several years by this point. However, Cutting and editing and doing audio and graphics in Resolve seemed really intimidating. And I had been working in Premiere for so long at that point that the thought of having to relearn a new program kind of dissuaded me. So even though I bought it, I didn't make the switch. Instead, I just kept upgrading and updating uh, Premiere as the updates would come out, just hoping and praying that eventually Premiere would get better and then I would just never have to switch and I could, you know, get back to editing without any problems. And so that was my my thought process. I'm just going to keep working. In, I'm going to own Resolve, but I'm going to keep working in Premiere and just pray that one day it gets better. But it never did. And I would even upgrade my, my Mac's operating system to newer versions, hoping that maybe a new version of their operating system would work better with the... Um, with the new, you know, whatever new version Premiere came out, maybe they'll finally work together better, but it never happened. And for years and years and years after all of these performance downgrades happen, nothing ever changed and things only just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it got worse on my iMac and it got worse on my MacBook Pro. And I just started to absolutely hate Premiere. Finally, last year in 2021, my goal when I bought my MacBook Pro and my iMac, the reason I spec'd them out completely was I wanted to try to get 10 years out of each computer. But I was having so many performance problems that and last year, actually 2022, last year, 2022, um, about halfway through the year, I couldn't take it anymore. And so I decided I'm not going to wait 10 years. I'm just going to go ahead and buy a new computer. And hopefully these performance issues will finally go away. So after having my MacBook Pro for eight years and my iMac for seven years, I finally got rid of them and bought a 2021 model M1 Max MacBook Pro. And this MacBook Pro I bought to replace both my iMac 
and my previous MacBook Pro. I thought that because the computer was so tricked out, I no longer needed a desktop anymore. I could have a laptop that could that could do both things. So my thought was I'll buy this tricked out MacBook Pro and I'll get a monitor for it and I'll get an I'll even upgrade my RAID system. I'll get a, a really great docking uh, dock for it so I can hook everything up to a dock and that was what I did. So my my computer I got was the M1 Max 16 inch MacBook Pro and, and with the M1 Max chip, which is an amazing chip, and it has 64 gigs of unified memory. If you don't know what unified memory is, it's faster than traditional RAM. So it's not like having 64 gigs of RAM. 64 gigs of unified memory is like having over 100 gigs of RAM. Like it's really fast, right? And then on top of that, it's got uh, a very, very good um, graphics card. It's got uh, a 10 core processor, and it's got eight terabytes of internal storage space. Now that might seem like overkill, but that's just so I could bring projects on the road with me uh, if needed. And so that was the computer I bought, $6,100, which is a lot of money for a laptop. And then I bought a an Apple Studio display, a 5K 27-inch Apple Studio display for, for the laptop, which is another sixteen or $1,700. And then I got a 16 terabyte SSD Thunderbolt 3 RAID drive that I set up at RAID 0. Uh, I only went with 16 terabytes because projects aren't going to live on this drive. They're just going to go on this drive to edit. And then when I'm done editing, it leaves the drive and goes to a permanent storage location. So this is strictly a drive that's going to do nothing but hold projects I'm currently working on. And to give you an idea of how fast this drive is, the Blackmagic speed test on the drive show that I'm getting um, 2,000 read speeds and 1,600 write speeds. It's 2,000 megabits per second, 1,600 megabits per second read-write. That is freaking fast, let me tell you. That is crazy fast. So I say all that to say this. I dropped over $10,000 in this new editing system, and I was getting insanely fast performance from my hard drive. I had a really great monitor and I have a fully tricked out MacBook Pro, the, the best MacBook Pro money can buy. My system was ready to roll, maxed out. Let's do this. That was my thought process. Well, I get it all in and connect everything up, get the dock hooked up and immediately start pulling up 8K files from my Sony A1. Now, to, to to put this into perspective, the Sony A1's 8K files are shot in H.265 format, which is a very, very hard format for computers to play back. And so it's H.265 8K, which is even harder. And these files can be shot in 10-bit 420 or 10-bit 422. They are very, very hard files to play back. 420 plays back than 422, um, but both are really tough. My new laptop, when I'd pull up the files and, and, and would play them in the previewer, they played back just fine without skipping a beat. Couldn't believe it. Here I am playing back 8K, H.265, 10-bit 420, and 10-bit 422 files without any issues at all whatsoever. It was amazing. And I was like, here we go, man. Like this is, this is what I've been waiting for. Really great performance. I've waited a long time to get good performance back. I downloaded Premiere, got all my programs hooked up, and started working on some projects. And the performance was really good in Premiere. Um, I, I was able to work in 8K. I could not work in 10-bit 422 8K, but I could work in 10-bit 420 8K. And of course, the 4K was nothing for Premiere with this new computer, and, and everything was flowing really, really well. 
until I started working on longer form projects. If I was doing anything small, short, you know, one, two, three minute videos with maybe a hundred gigs of footage, no problem at all. Just would eat through that and like, like butter, man, just no issues. But as soon as I started working on a project that you see you, if you're on the filming with Josh group, you've probably seen me posting about this. The project is the Greystone castle project. And it's, it's about, it's a little over five terabytes of content, but just footage wise, it's about 3.7 terabytes, which is not an extraordinary amount of footage. Like I've shot projects a lot bigger than that, but you know, it's decent in size. As soon as I loaded the 3.7 terabytes worth of footage into the storage bins and premiere, oh my God, you would have thought I was working in a, in a 2006 computer. I mean, it was horrible. The, the program itself, not even talking about editing, but just the program was slow. If I would right click, it would take a minute to load something, like, like for the right click to show up. If I would click on the effects window, it would have to think about it before it pulled up the effects window. And this was before I even started editing. This is just me loading the footage into the bins. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So like I restarted the program, restarted my computer to see if that fixed it. Nope, didn't fix it. Well, my I had like deadlines coming up, so I had to I had to start editing. So I did. I had five one to two minute videos. They all ended up being about two minutes long. So I had five two minute videos I had to edit. And then one video that was gonna be three to four minutes long, voiceover driven. And so I created my six timelines and started cutting all my projects together. And it sucked. The performance was just horrible. I would even get to the point where I would not only have to render projects where I shouldn't have to even render projects, but I was having to render projects just to play graded files back, which is insane. I'm talking even 4K files I was having to render to play back, which was nuts. Like there's no reason for that. And and if I started like adding any kind of uh, like speed ramps or doing any kind of masking or adding any kind of graphics, dude, it would just bog down insanely bad. And even to the point where even rendered timelines would struggle, which again, there's no reason for that. It got so bad that even on a rendered timeline, if I was like in the, if I was adding Foley audio, cause I used a lot of Foley audio in these projects. If I was on the audio portion of the timeline, moving Foley audio around, if I drag, like, let's say I dragged in, um, uh, an, an audio clip of um, a truck driving on on gravel, and I was going to put that with a drone shot. Okay, if I was if I had it in the timeline, it was just moving it from one spot to another. Maybe I had it at five seconds in, but I needed to move it to be at three seconds in. Just dragging that clip to the left by two seconds, the computer would have to hesitate, think about it, and then you could kind of see it finally move the audio to the left. And this was on a rendered timeline. There's absolutely no excuse for that. The performance was just flat out awful. And what I can attribute this to is the Premiere program just flat out could not handle me bringing all those files in. But I had to bring all the files in because I was using all of those files and all of those assets to be able to create these projects, you know? So like, what am I supposed to do? It was just horrible. And you know, I could have gone and made proxies and hope that made it better, but I don't think it would have made it better because 
these were rendered to unrendered timelines. I was having problems and even just loading in the files, like simple things like right clicking and, and clicking on pages or tabs would, would be laggy. So I don't think proxies would have fixed it. And besides that, I didn't drop over 10 grand on this new system to have to make proxy files to edit basic footage that back in 2016, when I bought my FS7, I was able to edit in my much older 5K iMac, you know, without having to have proxies or transcode anything. So why is it now on a much newer, much more expensive computer, I suddenly can't edit and now I have to do proxies? Like that doesn't make any sense. And so on a hunch, I had watched some videos online, like trying to dissect what was going on. And I noticed the Max Tech guy, if you've never seen him, he does really great stuff on on reviewing Apple products. And the Max Tech guy had done a lot of performance tests between Resolve and Final Cut and Premiere. And Premiere got dead last every single time by far. It would be like three or four or five times slower than Final Cut or Resolve in every test that he did. But one thing I noticed is he talked about how Premiere was not utilizing the M1 Mac computers very well, even though Premiere came out with an update last year saying that it was optimized for the new M1 Mac computers. But he had done tests that showed that the CPU and GPU were barely getting used by Premiere. So on a hunch, I tried that out myself. I took a timeline that wasn't rendered and I started to render it. And while it was rendering, I loaded up a page that allowed me to see how much of my CPU and GPU Premiere was using. And it was using hardly anything, like 15% of my GPU and like 18% of my CPU. It was using hardly anything. And so what's the point of paying to have all of these computer specs if Premiere is only going to use like 18% of it? It's not tapping into your computer and trying to utilize the performance that you paid for. And so you're getting really subpar results because it sucks. It's not optimized to take advantage of your system. And that's, and it's been that way since, uh, you know, all the way back to like 2017 when I said I first started running into these issues with my previous computers. The fact is, is that Premiere is built like a 90s program and it they it is it is old it is outdated and rather than redesign it from the ground up they keep trying to patch it right and it's not working and that's why if you go online you'll see hundreds of thousands of people who have the same problems i have both from 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 apple all the way to windows computers it's just across the board people all over the world keep running into problems like this and if it isn't performance issues then it's something else like bugs crashes things like that you know, I've, I know a lot of people who have uh, Premiere will crash on them 10 times in a day. Like, dude, that's ridiculous. Now, mine's more stable than that. Mine doesn't crash, but the performance is horrible. And you can't, I can't edit projects professionally when my computer has to think about me right-clicking. Like, that's insane. <laughs> so I, I had just finally gotten to my breaking point because I had, I had bought Resolve back in 2017, but I didn't want to switch because I didn't want to have to spend time learning a new program. And then on top of that, I have an editor now who also works in Premiere and we pass projects back and forth. So that even further made me want to stay with Premiere. But I, after working on this Greystone project, I was like, dude, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't. This is just so bad. And so what I did is I pulled up Resolve and, and I, one day while I was in the middle of this Greystone project, I pulled it up because I was just so frustrated at the performance of Premiere and I needed to just, I needed a break. So I pulled up Resolve just to 
just to have some fun and do something different for an hour just so I, I could feel less frustrated. And what I did was is I loaded my entire Greystone project, all 3.7 terabytes of footage into Resolve, and I created a timeline and dropped in the same music track that I was currently working with, and I started cutting the project. And it was amazing, so amazing even, that the 8K 10-bit 422 files that I said Premiere never could play, it played it back in real time, no, no problem. No frame drops, nothing. And that's 10-bit 4, or, yeah, 10-bit 422 H265 8K. That is a freaking hard codec. And Resolve played it back like butter. No problem at all. And I started noticing just how fun it was to cut in Resolve. Now, I did have to go and switch some of my keyboard shortcuts from Premiere over to Resolve. You can actually, in Resolve, change the settings of your keyboard layout to mimic Final Cut or uh, Premiere if you're switching from one of those to make the switch easier. But I had some custom keys that I had made myself in um, Premiere, so I had to go in and manually set those up in Resolve. But once I did, it made cutting you know, feel a lot more like it did in Premiere. And I started just cutting stuff together and next thing you know, I've got half a project built and it was in no time at all. And it was, it was fun. I was like smiling for the first time in years while editing because the performance was just awesome and the functions and the tools were so fun and easy to use. It was amazing. And I ended up going back to Premiere to finish whatever project it was I was working on because I just needed to get it done. And while exporting the project, I went back to to, to resolve. <laughs> and while Premiere was exporting a project, tying up my computer, Resolve was still able to cut back and play in real time, including that 10-bit 422 8K files. It played it back while Premiere was exporting in the background. Like, that's amazing. My computer should be bogged down because of what Premiere's doing, but nope, my computer is fast. My computer is great. It's just Premiere. That's the problem. And I'm tired of Premiere and its problems. I'm sick and tired of performance. I'm sick and tired of getting new computers only to have them just perform terribly in Premiere. And, and if you're listening to this and you don't have problems in Premiere and, and you're working on short, you know, easy three, four, five minute projects and you're loading in 100 gigs, I don't want to hear about it. Because when it comes to people who are actually loading in a lot of content it really does become a problem. And so I, and I say that because some people will say, oh, well, I don't have any problems Premiere, but then you'll talk to them and you'll find out it's because they're shooting in HD and they're loading in like 100 gigs of footage. And of course you're not gonna run into any problems because you're not pushing the computer. But if you're actually pushing the program and you're loading in you know, a lot of higher resolution files, different codecs, mixed frame rates, and a lot of content, like I said in my, in my example here, 3.7 terabytes, and you start to actually push the program, that's when it starts to fall apart. And it shouldn't do that. It should be stable, but it's not. It's not stable, and that's why Thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the world are moving to Resolve to get away from this because they get sick and tired of it. Now, I knew that I wouldn't be able to switch unless I got my editor to be willing to try to switch with me. And fortunately, he too was having performance issues. Well, not fortunately that he was having performance issues, but fortunately because he also was having performance issues in, in Premiere on his Windows computer, he told me that he was willing to switch to Resolve as well. So we are together making the switch here in 2021, and I could not be more excited about it. 
Resolve is a fun program. When you go into Resolve, the way it works is you have a media page. You load all your bins and all your files into the media page. Then you go to the cut page and you do your rough cut. And the cut page is amazing. It's a different spin on editing a timeline, but it's all built around speed. And once you kind of wrap your head around it, you can cut extremely fast in the cut page. And when you're done with your cut, you go to the edit page and you do your main edit, all your transitions, all of your zooms and speed ramps and change of opacities and all that stuff that you normally do, you do there in the edit page. When you're done with that, you go to Fusion, do any graphics stuff you want to do. You go from Fusion to the color page, do all your coloring, and then you go from the color page to the audio page. You do all of your audio, and then you're done. You go to the deliver page, and you export the project. And it exports like 10 times faster than Premiere ever thought about exporting. <laughs> Plus, it has other things like... Like things like the color management in Resolve is way better. When you try to work in Premiere, it is so convoluted. Like for example, if you want if you're shooting in 10-bit files and you want to work in a 10-bit timeline in Premiere, then you have to know under your sequence settings to check the box that says maximum bit depth. It doesn't say 10-bit or 8-bit, it just says maximum bit depth. And so unless you've read the manual and know that checking that box gives you a 10-bit timeline, you would never know that. So you might be shooting 10-bit files and then coming back and working on an 8-bit timeline because when you're setting up your sequence settings, convoluted Premiere doesn't make that easy to see or understand. Whereas in Resolve, it's just way simpler. You, you, you pull up the project settings in Resolve and you dial in what your timeline resolution is going to be, your playback frame rates, your video formats, etc., just like you normally would in Premiere, but then it has things like video bit depth, 10-bit, my, my oh my, just imagine that, it actually says 10-bit, unlike Premiere, which you would never know that that means 10-bit, because it doesn't even say the word 10-bit, but in Resolve, it does, because it makes it easy for you, and if you go down to the color management tab, it's very easy there, I have mine currently set up right now for a current project with DaVinci uh, YRGB color managed, and then from there, I'm able to put my output color science, my, um, input color science, all of those things, um, what I want my timeline color space to be. And you can do these things in Premiere, but it's not as straightforward as it is in Resolve. And it just does things just way, in a way easier way, and a lot more straightforward, easy to understand. You don't have to have uh, a manual beside you to understand what each button does because it just makes perfect sense. And um, and just the process of being able to edit everything in one program, to be able to have one program that can handle your audio and your graphics and stuff so you don't have to pull up After Effects or Audition whenever you're ready to go to those phases of the project is really nice because you can just continuously move throughout the throughout the program just going from page to page. And yes, you can use Adobe Dynamic Link to open up After Effects or to open up Audition, but you're still loading and opening other programs. And if you close out the program and you want to make changes, you got to open them back up. Here it's just different pages. Just click, oh, I want to go back to my I want to go back to my uh, Fusion page and add a different graphic or I changed my mind. I don't like the way the color looks. I'm going to go back to the color page real quick and and edit that. And you just click on the tab and and get it done. And it's just so much better. And to have everything in one roof is awesome. Awesome. And on top of all of that, they also have an iPad version that recently came out and it also is free or you can buy the studio version for $99, which gives you access to, again, things like noise reduction. I bought it and it's amazing. I have an 11 inch iPad Pro. It has an M1 
chip in it and 16 gigs of RAM and one terabyte of storage. The two ways I can work on my iPad are I can either um, load uh, my files onto my iPad's one terabyte of internal storage or I can hook up an SSD drive with a USB-C cable. Either works. And what's cool about this is if I'm like flying to North Carolina to do a day and a half long shoot for one of my clients, on the plane ride back, I could just load all my files onto my iPad and I could sit there with the iPad on that little tray on the plane and I could just take my little Apple Magic pencil or pen or whatever you want to call it and I could sit there in Resolve and I could cut together the project right there on the plane. And if I finish it, then I could export it right there on the iPad or I could save the work I've done and when I get home, I could pull that file up in on my laptop and get right back to work on my laptop right where I left off on my iPad. It also allows me to, if I'm on a shoot and I've gotten some shots for a commercial project and a client wants to uh, sit down with me real quick just to kind of load up the files and just rough them together real fast to see how everything is flowing. I can, in the middle of the shoot, just take my files and load them onto my iPad and take my little magic pencil and just sit down and just kind of rough the stuff together with my client right there. And yes, you could do it with a laptop, but that means always having to have your laptop with you. But my iPad is always with me. I always keep it in my in my uh, camera bag. So I've always got it. And it's smaller and easier just to pull out and load stuff in and, and, and to edit on really quick. And so it's really cool. And maybe that doesn't work for everybody. But for me, when I'm on a shoot, or if I'm like on a plane or something, it's really cool to be able to have access to the entire program, but on your iPad. And again, unlike Premiere, like I'm sure if Adobe came out with an iPad version, they don't have one, nor does Final Cut. But if they did, they would probably just scale their <laughs> Premiere down and import it into iPad. But Blackmagic didn't do that. They redesigned Resolve to optimize the iPad's performance. So it's not a plug and play solution. It's an optimized solution that works extremely well. And to me, that's remarkable. And I, I loaded up when I first got it, I loaded up an entire project on my iPad and sat there and I was able to cut an entire project back, playing all my files back in full resolution. It was in 4K timeline, coloring in 10-bit and no performance issues. Everything played back in real time on an iPad. I can't even have that kind of performance on my tricked out computer in Premiere. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so for me, like for all these reasons, as you can see, um, it just, I'm at a point where Resolve just makes more sense. It is a faster program to use. You get way better performance. It has all the tools you need in one spot. You have a much easier time setting up your color managed workflow. Um, you can work in the cut page, which is ultra fast, and it makes me never want to cut on Premiere again because the cut page, once you wrap your head around it, is so easy. You could rough something so fast in a cut page. It's just everything about it. And I already told you, I love coloring in Resolve anyway, so now I can color in Resolve all the time. I don't have to save it for commercial projects. I can use it on every project. And the color, coloring Resolve gives you way better images because it's just way more advanced. And Premiere, for me, unfortunately, a lot of times round tripping to Resolve didn't make sense for projects, so I'd have to use Premiere's limited tools and I would never be happy with my color. But now I'm always going to be happy with my color because I can always color in Resolve all the time. 
And between all of that, plus the iPad version and everything else, it just makes far more sense. And they even have a new cloud that came out on the last uh, the last version of Resolve. So I can sign my editor and I up for the uh, Blackmagic cloud. And essentially, we can work on the same project together. And when he makes changes and saves it, it updates in the cloud to my version so I can load whatever he's done right here in my office. Now, to do that with Premiere, we would have to email the project files back and forth to each other, but we don't have to do that anymore. I could log into the cloud and, and pick up right where he's at and then and make changes, and then he could, he could pick up right where I'm at. No more having to email project files back and forth because we are both going to work on the same exact project on the same cloud. The only thing is, is we both have to have copies of the assets. You know, of course, he has to have, you know, all the same footage and everything that I have. But so long as we both have the raw content, we can both have one timeline that we just use together on the cloud and it works so very well. And so for all of these reasons, Resolve is just a is just a magnificent program to work with, and it is totally worth the change. It has brought my 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 joy back into editing, and has made me excited to edit again. And I have not felt that way in a long time. I started to feel that way when I bought my computer because I was excited um, to get this tricked out computer in my office. But once Premiere started to choke up on me, that quickly went away. Now, no longer an issue. So I'm done with Premiere. Like the only time I'm I plan to open up Premiere, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep paying for it. And, but the only reason is, is because uh, all my past projects were cut on Premiere. So if I have to pull up old projects for clients to change things for them, you know, a year or two down the road, I still have to be able to do that, which I do do. Like clients will have, have me go back and change the lower thirds on a video because the title of an employee has now changed, you know? And so I need to be able to open up and go back and mani- manipulate past projects. So I have to keep Premiere around. But moving forward, all new projects are going to be cut in Resolve. And I'm so incredibly excited about that because it is a much, much, much better program. I want to encourage you to try it. It does take a little bit of a learning curve because the the node trees are a little different than what you're going to be used to in Premiere or Final Cut. Uh, because the node trees aren't just for Fusion. It's also that way in the coloring page. Um, but I want to encourage you to try it. It's it's pretty straightforward. There's some amazing video tutorials online. Um, you could just watch some of the basic ones just to get your head around how like the, the cut page and edit page works just to get you started. But just try it because the free version is literally free. And you can do, like I said, 90% of everything in the free version. So there's no reason not to try it. Just download it, load up a small project, and try cutting together a 30-second or one-minute video and see what it's like. See what the performance is like. See what it's like to color and resolve. Just try it out and let me know. Go to Facebook, go to the Filming with Josh group and let me know if you tried resolve and what your thoughts are on it. Because I really think if you give it a shot, you might be like me and learn to love it. Anyway, guys, this is why I am switching to resolve in 2023. This is a the number one thing I plan to do this year, I have other business goals and things I plan to do, but but this is the first thing I'm doing because um, it is going to save me so much trouble, trouble that Premiere has been giving me. So this is my big change starting the new year out, but I could not be more excited. Um, let me know your thoughts on Resolve if you've been working in it in a, for a while, or if you listen to this podcast and you give it a shot. Let me know your thoughts uh, on what you think after listening to this podcast. Hop on over to Filming with Josh, join the group, and let's chat there today. See you guys. Take care. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media.
Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Mm-hmm.